0: Hi, and welcome to Journeys to Belonging podcast with host Dr. Eileen Winokur, featuring awesome educators and leaders who share their journeys, advice, and personal stories about feeling a sense of belonging. hi everybody and welcome to another episode of journeys to belonging i always have very special guests on my podcast but today's guest is someone that although i've been following her for a bit of a while on social media i've really started to get to know her very well over the last couple of months and i have such a high respect for her and all that she's doing for and with the educator community. And so welcome, Melody McAllister. I'm so excited to have you here today.
1: Thank you, Eileen, and I feel the same about you. And um, I know that I've been following you for a while, and the last couple of months has been great getting to know you and working with you, especially on our courageous conversations um, with Victoria Thompson. So it's been it's been great, and I respect everything that you do. And when you asked me to be on your podcast, I felt very honored. So thank you so very much.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm really excited. I had you on my list from a while ago, but I know oh, wow. how busy you are between your kids and your work and all the things that you do with and for educators. So I kind of held off a little bit, and I don't know if it's any better right now, but I really appreciate that you made the time. So I didn't really say too much about you. I'd love for you to tell uh, our listeners um, a little bit more about what you're doing and what you really are passionate about.
1: Yeah, thank you. Um, So I started teaching in 2004, and I lived in a little town in Texas. I moved from St. Joseph, Missouri, and I moved to Texas when as soon as I could. And so I've spent all of my years teaching in Texas. And then right before I married my husband in 2007, I moved to the DFW Metroplex and did most of my years of teaching there. We have five kids, and about a year and a half ago, we moved to Alaska, and I knew that we were going to take a year off, and I was going to homeschool because both my husband and I worked full time. So we thought, let's take a year off. Let's homeschool. Let's get to, like let's get to know our kids a little bit. Let's get to know our family once again, because nice. a lot of things had happened in the meantime: health issues, work issues, the whole gamut. And um, but then when the pandemic. Hit. I decided not to go back to full-time work in the public schools. I decided to continue homeschooling until we figure out what's going on and there's better health, uh, you know, advisories and things like that. But in the meantime, last February or February of 2020, I was able to publish my story, the I'm sorry story that I had written, you know, when I was pregnant with my first child, who's gonna be 12 this year or in December, just a month away. And it was a dream come true. And and I've worked with EduMatch as a logistics manager for a little over a year. Well, all, what am I saying? Almost two years. And so I am on the one end of supporting a lot of authors who are also educators. And then I get to be an author also. So it's been a really cool experience to like, have all of that uh, to support and be supported. And then of course, edgy match is amazing because it really does amplify the voices um, of educators, especially those who've been marginalized. And so I work for um, just somebody like Dr. Sarah Thomas, who I completely love and trust. And I'm sorry story is about a a young man who doesn't really know how to apologize or really take ownership um, for the things that he does that hurts others. And this is you know, just a story that I wrote to help my own students understand why taking ownership of the things that you do to others is really important. It helps others heal and it just starts really good conversation because it's told in a story. I've got to um, read it to schools all across the United States and Canada and I think it was Ghana and um, there's in Germany. So it's, it's, it's international at this point and I love it. And I'm just, that's the best part of it. I'm not getting rich on this by any means. (laughs) you know what educators we don't we don't expect to get rich no matter what we do
0: no we don't rich rich is the reactions we get from others and the students who come to us later on and tell us the impact that we had on their lives that's that's our rich that's what makes us rich yeah yes oh melody that was a that was a great bio because all of those things that you talked about and by the way uh listeners we didn't rehearse this beforehand but all the things that you mentioned are, are questions that I have written down that I wanna know a little bit more about. But the first question I have, and part of it has to do with our involvement, you, me, and uh, Victoria the Tech, Victoria Thompson, about the conversation, courageous conversations in EdTech. And before we got going, we had several meetings, and I remember you're sharing your own story And then I noticed in the information that you sent me that in 2017 in Garland, Texas, you won the NAACP award for that area. And so I was really curious because you mentioned a little bit when we were chatting uh, while we were preparing for Courageous Conversations about your journey. So I'd love to know know, what what happened and what you were recognized for uh, because I think it's a really amazing story.
1: Well, thank you so much. I had no idea that I was even put up for that award in 2017. Um, And so when I got the letter and the email that said I was unanimously voted in as the educator of the year, and Garland is not a small district by any means, um, I was not expecting it at all. And it floored me and it was probably one of the greatest honors besides being a mom of my children. Um, one of the greatest honors that I never expected to have. And, you know, my story is crazy. So I grew up in the Midwest. I grew up in a very, very conservative family. And politics was like kind of our religion. I don't know that my family members would agree with that. I know some of them would because politics has really divided us over the years. I'm very estranged with most of my family. And the, the more that I learn about like my white centeredness, um, that's what tears us apart because I have come to terms with it. My family has not. And so when I speak about it, they take it as an insult and, um, and I'm not always great at talking about it with them either, because, you know, emotions run high when you talk with your family, sometimes when you know that they're doing things that are wrong. Um, but I just. know through the educators that I worked with because I didn't work in a district where it was mostly white people most of my students in Garland were students of color they were um, Muslim they they were not anything that I grew up knowing about and so at first it was kind of you know a shock to my system you know most of my parents were Hispanic actually the very first year that I worked in Garland and I couldn't even really conversate with them very well, but they loved me and accepted me and they showed up for their kids. And, um, I mean, it was just crazy. So over the, the years that I worked in Garland, the community, I lived in that community. I taught in that community. Um, I had a, a boss, you've met her, Wendy, you know, a woman of color and a, a very strong character. And I had teachers and students and, and the parents who all just helped me to see that my perspective was not this perspective of everybody else. And, yeah it made me want more. It made me understand the hypocrisy that I grew up learning and all the holes about being open-minded about like opportunities that existed for everybody that equal opportunity in the first place. You know, um, I never learned about the systemic role of racism in anything. And actually if you bring that up to some of my family members, you're evil in their sight because of course everybody has the same opportunity. How dare you say so? And you know, the civil rights movement was so long ago. You know, why are we still talking about this? Why do you have to always bring this up? You know, and and things like that. It's just, it just goes against what I was supposed, I was supposedly taught to understand about loving your neighbor and seeing through other people's eyes and then actually doing it. And um, so I wrote about it. I I wrote a blog post about like why race matters to this white teacher um, two years ago, I think. And um, it was kind of like my coming out of to say, hey, I'm not like I used to be. You know, I am different and I care about this and I'm not gonna be silent about it anymore. And, you know, receiving the, the NAACP award it kind of made me realize that if I was going to receive something like this, and I really needed to honor it even more and be vocal about it and not be ashamed of it and to pursue that. And it was just very natural. And I got involved, um, with the, the Garland unit of the black educators. They invited me to be a part of that. And so I learned even more. I started going to conferences that, um, you know, talked about it and and just my friends changed. Now, most of my friends are actually people of color and they don't share the same faith as me. They don't necessarily share the same religion or I just said that, or just the same outlook. They're sure, just very different. Yeah. And I love it, it's very beautiful. And I no longer feel threatened that there are people that believe something differently than me. It just is what it is. Yeah, that's that's really an amazing journey. And to think that,
0: um, you know, if we look at it in terms of belonging, which we don't really necessarily have to, because it's such a, a beautiful journey on its own, is to see that no matter where we are, it's not a matter of fitting in. It's a matter of listening, understanding, accepting, including. All of those things that we talk about all have to do with now you're feeling a sense of belonging within this community that you never imagined you'd be a part of which is really exciting and i love the fact that you mentioned that as a result of receiving the award you feel that it's really important for you to speak out now about uh, how you feel and and your own journey and so i so appreciate that because you know many times people sort of have their woke moments but then That they don't really do much after that. It's a personal kind of journey, but I think it's really important that we show others and share with others. So, um, so yeah, so um, that's fascinating. The other one of the other important. Yeah, one of the other important parts which you also mentioned uh, when you introduced yourself is your I'm sorry story. and. I, I really, I want you to talk about that. Unfortunately, I haven't had a chance to read it, but I, I from you talking about it, I have the essence of what it is as a children's story. But there's a bigger story related to that. And I just read your blog post uh, from the summer about that mm-hmm. and I'm fascinated by that whole journey. And so if you wouldn't mind sharing that and how that relates the, uh, to the I'm sorry story, so because I'm sure I... I figure that they're probably related.
1: Yes, thank you. And, and just anybody who reads my blogs always makes me feel like it's so warm inside. Thank you for taking the time to actually read what I wrote. It was wonderful, yeah. yeah. Oh, thank you. So, you know, like I have a really messy upbringing and it's so funny because we work so hard to try to make it look good on the outside, but in the inside, you know, and I don't usually speak about this, but I feel like the sense of empowerment since I started writing about it, I grew up, my biological father is a pastor and he still is a pastor. He's in my hometown and he disowned my mother and my siblings and acted like we didn't exist. I mean, we would several times growing up, be in the same place and he would just walk by us. And I don't even think, and I wrote about this. I don't even think he knew who I was. I knew who he was. And so- That was something that I, that I really struggled with my whole childhood. And then of course my mom, you know, um, she did, she did some great things, but she was also very um, just verbally, uh, she felt like it was her mission to keep us humble. And I'm not going to say too much because I think Mm -hmm. that she did her very Mm -hmm. best. Um, I I think even though when we do our very best, we still can damage our children. Mm -hmm. And there was there was definitely some physical and, and things that were happening in my home. My, my stepdad who raised me and I called him dad, as much as I love him, he wasn't a perfect man either. He, you know, he was a alcoholic and, um, and there was a lot of stuff that was just going on inside our house that I could never talk about with others. And um, I felt like I grew up with so much rage. There was so much rage in our home, my um, older siblings and, and, my brother has actually apologized to me this summer. Um, I was always beat up by him and not in like a sibling rivalry kind of way. I was beat up. There were times growing up that I thought that when people came home, I was going to be dead. I feared for my life and it took me a very long time, but he was just acting out on what was acted upon him. Right. And so, and I never understood why he hated me so much. Um, but it really wasn't about me. It was about, just the just the ugliness that was developed in our home and like I said I really feel like my parents did not my biological father by any means but I feel like my my dad and my mom did the very best they could with what they had they did not grow up and especially wonderful they had you know their own issues um, but nobody ever said I'm sorry and if they did say they were sorry it was always like a very sarcastic um, oh yes yeah. like throwing it off because I feel I have to say it um yeah yes and, you know, my brother, whom I love and whom I also hurt, I, I couldn't, I couldn't hurt him physically, but I hurt him with words. I learned how to cut people down at a very young age, I, I was always very quick witted. And um, we You know, um, when he apologized to me, he actually, this summer we talked quite a bit and he apologized to me multiple times. And I let him know, like, I have forgiven you. I forgave you years ago because I had to let it go. Um, I just did not want to hold on to that anymore. And he's like, You know, I'm going to ask you to forgive me. He's like, I just, uh, he's like, In a year, I'm going to ask you again. He's like, I just feel terrible about it all. And we never, we never had those kind of apologies growing up. And so, When I left home, I left Missouri, I left home right after I turned 20 years old and I saw a different type of life. I saw people who really cared about each other. I learned what it meant to be hospitable. And um, and just like being in a good relationship, you tell people, and this is also, you can learn from what others do that is not right. And that's what I learned. When you tell someone that you're sorry, you take ownership for that. It doesn't matter if they did stuff wrong too you can only take responsibility for what you did. And that's kind right. of like how you fight fair. You know, you take responsibility for yourself because you always have a choice. And there are times when all of us are guilty of hurting people that have mm-hmm. done nothing wrong. Like they, and then they're, they're in the spiral thinking, what did I do? And they're constantly thinking that they did something wrong. And if you just can give them that apology, like it's just so healing to say, you did nothing wrong. This was me. This is my problem. What I did to you was wrong. So there's that issue too, where just saying that you were wrong and taking responsibility is like helping others heal. And so I worked with young kids and I felt like they fought all the time. And, and then you know, I also worked with my own colleagues and you see adults, they don't have these skills of, you know, of taking ownership. And so I thought, how can I help my students to understand the importance of this? And about year four or year five in teaching, I wrote this story so that I didn't have to lecture my students. I didn't want them to tune me out (laughs) and they loved it. Like I wasn't very techie at that point. Like I wrote it on a word document. I put it on the projector, you know, for my computer and Uh we just read it together. And the first thing they said was, Mrs. McAllister, how did you know? And I will never forget that. Really? Like, well, oh wow! Yeah, no pictures, no pictures, nothing. Um, they really, it, they really responded to it. And from that point, I was able to have lots of conversations throughout the year about. Uh-huh. Um, and you know, one of the last years that I taught fifth grade, there were these two girls, very strong, and they both could bully other kids, but they were mm. bullying each other more than anybody else. Interesting. And um, so I sat them down at lunch. I was like, you guys are going to have lunch detention, but they had lunch with me. And I said, you know, let's just talk about this, you know, yeah. you know, let's air this out. And I let them talk to each other and, you know, they realized they had more that they were alike than that, that was different. And they said, you know, Mrs. McAllister, nobody's ever talked to us like this. Nobody's ever like sat down with us <sighs> like this and helped us like this. And I was just like, well, there needs you know, I, you know, I just hugged them. And of course it was a very wonderful moment, but it was a very hard moment too, you know, to break that ice. But that's just something that I feel very strongly about. Um, And I think the social emotional aspect of teaching is far more important than anything else that we teach our students.
0: Yeah. I love, I love that whole journey that you spoke about to the, I'm sorry story, but the last part about the students is exactly what we really need to be doing, is getting to know our students and guiding them, having them reflect, having them validate, feel validated, having the chance to be listened to and to be able to tell their stories. All of those things are so important in establishing relationships. And you're right, Melody, if we don't start with children and let them know exactly what they need to do in order to have these healthy relationships and be be able to feel they're in a safe space to speak about it. That's the first thing that you set for those two girls. They wouldn't have sat there and said anything, even if you had sat them down and said, okay, let's talk about this. If you hadn't set the stage for the safe space, which is really, really important for them to be able to be honest about their stories. I love that. And yeah, I uh, I messaged you that I wanted to get a hard copy of the book, so, because it's just not the same as an electronic version. Um, so- <laughs> And so, I need to send one to you. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. We're, so after you were using
1: this for a while, then you decided to publish it, is that it? Yeah, so it was just kind of like, at first I didn't think it would ever be published because I didn't know how that worked. So I think it was 2017, I, I had followed Mandy Fralick on Twitter, and she put this call out for stories for her fire within, and um, about how like you've gone through struggles, and you've come out on the other side. And at that time, I had gone through a miscarriage, I had been through like a year long depression. And oh. then later on, maybe that was maybe it was before Um, it was, it it was like a year long process. And then Mm -hmm. I talked about how I I was able, or I received the NAACP award and I went on to have a glorious next year, but it wasn't because like, it was easy at all. It was because I was just trying to find a way out Mm -hmm. of the hole, you know? And, and then of course that was the year that I also, the next year I had my, my youngest son who was completely unexpected, but it was a year later from my miscarriage that I found out it was crazy, but amazing. And so when I wrote about my story in the fire within with Mandy Freilich, that's when I was introduced to edgy match publishing. And, um, she was like, you know what, why don't you, you know, submit your story to us. And then they picked it up. Um, of course I didn't have it illustrated yet, but in the meantime, this is all like a three year process. When we decided to move to Alaska, that's when they reached out and said, Hey, what do you think about being a logistics manager? And my my story hadn't been published yet, but I was like, yes, of course, that sounds like an amazing job. And yeah. so I really, really love that. And then, um, you know, last or earlier this year, the story was published and uh, my friend and another teacher that I used to work with Rihanna Longoria, she illustrated my story and we chose to be Um, to choose characters that looked like our actual students. And so we have a story that we really believe that every um, color of child um, will be able to to identify with. And we also... uh, made it the dyslexia font so that it's more inclusive with our dyslexic readers. And oh, wow. um, we try to be very inclusive in its mm-hmm. message. And so yeah. I, I couldn't be more proud. And like I said, I'm not going to get rich on this story. That's not the point. Right. But actually being able to share it with so many other students has been, like you said, it makes me feel like I am rich inside. Right,
0: yeah, yeah, having that effect is so important. Well, you mentioned EduMatch several times now, but especially now as in terms of publishing the book and how you became the logistics manager. And so that's, that's one of the questions I wanted to ask you about because it's so important in in the terms of professional belonging and in terms of just feeling like a whole person that wherever we are at work, whether it's as an educator or otherwise, that we feel we have this connections with people that are healthy. And so I'd love to know a little bit more about you, your relationship with the EduMatch family, how that makes you feel, and just anything you want to talk about in terms of the community of EduMatch, because it's, it's uh, got pretty wide reach, but it's also yes. a, special, a special group.
1: Oh, I totally agree. And first I want to congratulate you for being a new edgy match author. Oh, and I thank can't wait you. to hear your story. And also yeah. to Victoria, who is also an edgy match author now. Like, it's so exciting that being with you two, we're all edgy match authors. And um, I love this community. So when I was brought on, we didn't have a Facebook community. I don't know if it was my idea or somebody else's idea, but I was like, let's start it. So um, Dr. Sarah created it for me so that I could start you know, because it was, it, she was controlling like the edgy match page or that's like in her um, domain. And mm-hmm. so she's like, yeah, everything I say, I want to do. Um, she pretty much lets me do it. She has a trust in me now. Thank God we've worked together long enough. So we opened it um, up in July of 2019. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. it's been a year and, you know, we had hundreds of people join immediately. It's one of my favorite communities. I feel like I feel like anybody could join. And sometimes you feel like when you see all these Twitter personalities, like there's this it crowd and, um, I feel like in that community, it makes us all feel like we are part of the it crowd. Because, like, if you're an educator and you want to celebrate something, we're going to celebrate with you. If you've done something phenomenal, you can share that with us. But also, on the flip side of that, if something is really bad happening, we can talk about that. You know, we can talk about, you know, what is happening, um, you know, Black people getting murdered on the streets by police. We can talk about that in our group. And yeah, there's not going to be everybody who believes, you know, the same as we do, but um, it's a very respectful, community and um, and we are open to um, learning about each other a- about different holidays it- it's just it- it's just a great place to decompress and celebrate with one another and to be real and so I kind of bring the social... Emotional part of that, the check-ins. I can be silly, but I also try to be serious. And um, Dr. Sarah and Mandy also they they do a lot in that. And then of course, people just you know post how they want. And um, I think it's a great community. We're just under a thousand people, I believe. But um, I, I I just feel like we're still very close knit. And you know, recently one of my friends um, she's been hospitalized for weeks now with COVID. Yeah, and, um, yeah, I didn't so know sorry if I could talk about, about it. That. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. And I know you've been praying for her and I really appreciate that. And so many of my friends have, and I didn't know if I could talk about it, you know, on my Facebook. Um, I didn't know if it would be offensive to the family if I talked about it. So I, I put it in the Facebook community of edgy match because I just knew that I was safe there, that people would pray for her. And I also knew that, you know, I wasn't the only educator or teacher that was, you know, feeling this way. Like mm-hmm. we've all been affected by COVID. Um, other, other teachers have lost, you know, or, or have friends who are sick. They have had it themselves. And um, I knew that I would be heard and seen. And I was, I felt very, very lifted up. And since then, of course, I've posted on my personal things, um, the updates for my friend, um, because, you know, she just, you know, obviously like everybody that is very sick with it need all the help and prayers they can get. So yeah, sure.
0: Yeah, I believe, yeah a, I believe in all of that. Yeah, it certainly does yes. help. Oh, and, I know you do. Yeah, and and I'm so glad that you reached out because I'm sure it's a comfort to you that you know that there are others out there who know about it and are, you know, trying to also send their good vibes and prayers to support her. I, I love the, the um, Edumatch family, how supportive it is of each yeah. educator. And... The fact that the safe space has been created among so many different people that the most sensitive subjects and personal things can be shared, and you feel validated, you feel heard, and you feel like even if we have different opinions, it doesn't matter because uh, because you belong. And, and, and you know, it's not easy to create those kind of communities. Dr. Sarah was one of the first episodes that i recorded for my podcast and i was so excited to have her on because there's so much that she's done for the community that i sometimes think she doesn't even realize because she's so humble but um you know the the whole idea about edge match and you know we talk about leaders and it's really important that leaders set the tone and sarah certainly yes. does set the tone for for edge match and for everything that she does
1: um she does yeah she, you, i just want to give well, a little shot yeah, go ahead it comes from such a genuine place yeah and she so she has taught me to to understand that even when people are uh talking from a place that you'd like to slap them like <laughs> why are they talking like that and, and, yeah. and how can we yeah. respond to diffuse the situation? Mm-hmm. And she didn't teach me that by talking at me or lecturing me. She taught that by her example. And one of the things that I love about Dr. Sarah is just that she is the real person that you talk with online or that you meet in real life. Like she doesn't change. She is genuine. She is sincere. And I've gotten to know her mom too over the last year. Oh, and wow. I see yeah. her mom has really validated me in a lot of ways that I wish that my own mother would but probably never will. And I have to just kind of leave that alone, you know? But um, I, I feel like whenever I've needed that validation from a mother type, like her mom, you know, uh, she, she's just amazing, has done that um, in, in wonderful ways for me. So it's, yes. she, yeah, both um, of them are very healing ladies.
0: <laughs> yeah, sometimes we have to look outside our blood relatives to find those family members that fulfill the needs that we have. And uh, if, if we're able to find them, it's certainly a blessing. Um, Melody, you talked about your, your kids and also the fact that now you're homeschooling, you've been doing it for about oh, over a year now.
1: Yeah. How,
0: how is that working out? I'm just curious because the situation right now is very difficult for everybody. I mean, yes. even if you're part of a school district or you're doing school online, parents probably feel like they're homeschooling anyway. How is that working for you and, and how are the kids managing?
1: I am not the model homeschool parent by any means. And um, <laughs> I, don't I think actually think there are is. is. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I don't know. I think some homeschool parents think they are. I mean, I do belong to a homeschool group, and i'm I'm very the the programs here in Alaska are wonderful because you know, homeschooling is a very viable option. and yes. and we actually go through a public school and i and I give my grades to this school, and I have a contact teacher. So it's really wonderful. But I don't fit in with um, the, you know i I had some homeschool friends my first year here. They're all gone. They've all deleted me off of Facebook. At this oh gosh. Morning. yeah. <laughs> Here's the thing. I, I am not a homeschooling mom to protect my kids from the real world. One of the things that I love about being a homeschool mom though, that probably the only good thing that I'm actually doing for my kids is having real conversations with them. Um, not just about nature and life and learning, but also about, you know, the climate of race in our country about acknowledging people and about looking at the news and, and like for this, this election season about why are these people, you know, paying for this ad? Of course, these people are saying this. Should we believe all of this obtuse, you know? Um, yeah, that's all so this important nowadays.
0: Yeah. Yes.
1: and I mean, and so the things like that. I'm, I feel like we're strong, and I'm, and I'm getting them books, and they are learning about all different types of people we're not afraid to talk about people, um, you know, who are um, in the LGBTQ community, you know, and, and I really feel like my kids are going to grow up and they're going to be who they are. And they know that I'm going to support them and stand right next to That's them. Wonderful. And, yeah. and, you know, that was not something that I could have done a few years ago, because I always felt like if you lived differently than me, then you were my enemy. You couldn't be my friend, you know? And so, yeah. um, those are the things that is good. Now the schedule, because I do also work and I consult with other, you know, um, educators with social media, I'm like a social media, um, consultant for other educators. I have to find my balance sometimes. And I was telling you this earlier, and there are projects that I do that are too early in the day. So I either have to stop doing them or do them later in the day. So I'm trying to find that work home balance also. And, um, I feel like every parent that has kids at home right now, they're trying to find them. My husband's working here. I'm working here. Yes. Um, sometimes I don't feel like I'm with my children, even though we're together. And so that is something. And my, in my, I gotta say that I have a very short fuse. It's gotten longer over the last few years, but I still have a short fuse. And I'm not a really great mom at, all, at times. You know, like I guess because None I. None of us are. Pretty, yeah, and, and then and we I just always, have to say I'm sorry. <laughs> yes. And I do apologize to my kids, you know, for having those outbursts. And we've all learned how to do that. My son apologizes to me and I'm just thinking, how as a, as a nine-year-old is he so like genuine and sincere and he's able to communicate. Like Because you've modeled it. it.
0: You are modeling he's it in a, the home amazing. genuinely, you know, they know that it's, it's okay to do that. It's, it's not a weakness, which is seen many times. Yeah. Mm. It's actually a strength.
1: Yeah, well, I'm trying. I I always have that, that um, critical person in my head because, you know, that's growing up, we were always criticized. We were, you know, and so there's a part of me that is also acknowledging that I have a chance right now to talk life into my own children and you know, I do mess up, but I hope that, you know, 95% of the time I'm speaking life into them. I'm telling them how intelligent they are and, um, how beautiful they are and just how wonderful. And I'm so glad that they're in, you know, in my life and they're my children. So those are the things that I'm doing better at, um, the curriculum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The they're, yeah.
0: Yeah. They're learning life. That's what's most important, right? Not the content. Yeah although the content is important to a certain extent it is but it's really important that that they learn about life and then you know what not that they can google everything but there's a lot that they can google when they need it yes. so yeah and
1: we're pushing through like math right now is really you know my 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 two oldest are really struggling in math mm-hmm. and so i've had to really reset that button and think how can i approach math in a different way a different way than even i as an educator think about it because right. You know, I struggled in math, but I eventually found my way. But I don't know if my kids are going to find it like that. And so, um, being in a circle of so many wonderful educators, especially those who love math, like my friend Alice Aspinall or Sunil Singh, like I, I learned, and Chris Brownell, like I. I learned so much from all these. Oh, and, and that, of course, Alice Keeler, you know, um, I'm reading Joe Bowler's book right now. I oh, I have so yeah. many educators in my mind. I get to, ch- you know, to, to pick their brains. So I'm pretty blessed, even in my weakest areas, I get to ask for help from some pretty amazing people.
0: Yeah, and it's knowing that, you, you're, uh, that it's okay to ask for help because not everybody yes. will, because again, <laughs> they look at it as a sign of weakness. I should know, you know, I'm an educator. But the fact that you look at it as they're the experts and they're willing to share, why not tap into their strengths and learn a little bit of, from them, right? Um, and right. so sometimes we need to sort of stay, take a step back and, and look at it that way. Um, and also to give ourselves grace, you know, Definitely. to give ourselves grace and also to make sure that we're okay first. And that is a, that is a journey. Um, I know from my own journey, it took a very long time for me to accept who I was and to feel good about it because uh, I, I was probably more critical of myself than anybody in my family was. <laughs> so, And you have to sort of give yourself grace and, yeah. and stop it <laughs> at a certain yeah. point and say, you know what, I'm a really good person yeah. and that's okay. We all make mistakes and we move forward and we say sorry. <laughs>
1: yes. So, yeah, to go do that. Ahead. I, I try to do that. I'm sorry. I, I, I try, I can't find it sometimes within myself to like myself or who I am. I, I always feel like you just said, I'm so ha- much harder on myself than anybody else could be. But then I look at my kids and I think to myself, I don't want them growing up thinking that they have to hate themselves for for whatever, for their body type, for who, you know, their personality, um, for whatever. And so I'm trying really hard and I'm just about to hit 40. And, um, like you said, it's taken a long time. I'm like, maybe I'm going to be a large person for the rest of my life, but am am I still worthy? Of course. And whatever my kids choose, like, I want to be the example for them so that they're not so hating on themselves too.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I talk about self-belonging. That will be one of the chapters in my book. And it's all those things, self-acceptance, self-esteem, self-efficacy, believing that we can do things. And it took me a long time to really get to that point. And I had to stop myself and really just almost say out loud the things that I'd accomplished because the negatives overwhelmed them. And many times I just felt unworthy. And so Mm. it's, it's always a journey and there are still times when I look at, you know, what other people are doing, because it's so easy to do that now with social media and with yes. internet, and to see the, all these people accomplishing things, you know, and who am I? Um, but you know, a number of people have told me, you're still important. You still have- You're amazing. Uh, yeah, and so are you, and you're offering so much to everybody else. Um, yeah, I, I think you're 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 really amazing, too. And it seems like we have a many things in common, which is probably why we connected so easily right from the beginning. Um, I hate to end this conversation because it's been so wonderful. So, uh, but do you have any other advice? I know you've sort of mentioned some things along the way, but is there any other advice that we've missed or I haven't asked you about that you'd like to offer our listeners?
1: You know, when it comes to belonging, um, I have I felt like for the most part of my life, I felt like I was like in this group, like I was in my church group. But as soon as I started questioning the things that I grew up with, that's when I started to be on the outs with other people. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes on the path to belonging, we don't even realize that sometimes we belong to really toxic groups. And it's a painful divorce that we have to go through. And I feel like I, I belong now to a community that openly accepts me for whomever I am. They cheer me on. And so in return, I, I want to cheer others on. Like I, I try to do it with my educator spotlight or my book chats, because I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm in this great community of all these educators and these authors who are putting such wonderful things out. I want to, I want to share all of that goodness because it makes me feel um super special to be connected with them also and with like when you're having me on here just it means so much to me i thank you so much it's like when people genuinely want to know more about you it's it's just golden and um, i feel like all of us can do that for the people in our community and it helps us to feel like we belong even more when we're lifting others up and you're wonderful at this eileen and so i thank you so much for that
0: Oh, you're welcome, Melody. It's, uh, the feeling is very mutual, and I, I really enjoy having these conversations with all of my guests because I learn so much from them. But you, the thing that you mentioned just now in terms of the groups that you used to be part of and the groups that you're part of now are really the stark difference that Brene Brown talks about between fitting in and belonging and they're not the same. And so we can mold ourselves to the way the groups are, how they think, how they speak, how they dress, how they look, and that's fitting in. But when we Mm -hmm. really feel a sense of belonging and have healthy relationships with others and feel good about ourselves, that's really true belonging. And so, yeah, yeah, so thank you for everything. <laughs> uh, like I said, I've thank learned you. so much about you and I've learned so much about life. Um, so if people wanna hop off and I hope they will hop off and wanna find out more about you, where are the best places to look? And I'll also include it in my show notes for you.
1: Yeah. If- if you'd like to read the I'm sorry story, you can find it at bit.ly slash I'm sorry story. And it's all in lower caps. Um, I am on Instagram and Twitter at MJ McCallie writes that's MJ M-C-A-L-L-I W-R-I-T-E-S. Um, my website is MJ McCallie writes.com. My blog is he gave me a melody.com. I wrote that a few, or I started that a few years ago, so it didn't go in with the MJ McCallie. Um, but So, yeah, and I would love for you, you know, to, I, I follow educators back. If they have some sort of teacher or education Mm -hmm. thing in their profile, I follow them back. And I'm on Facebook at facebook.com slash MJ McCallie writes. And I try to post, you know, what I'm writing and, and people I'm interviewing and learning from, and I hope to have you on my educator spotlight sometime very soon. I Um, hope so. That would be lovely.
0: I would really enjoy that. Yeah. 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 Thanks so much, Melody. This time together with you is really, really special. I appreciate you and I appreciate our listeners and and hope to talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you're inspired by what you heard, be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information about belonging, check my website, Journeys to Belonging. That's Journeys Number Two Belonging. See you next week.